Welcome back to Love Letters and Mixtapes. I am so glad you're here. After you listen to this episode, please make sure to subscribe on your favorite listening platform. You can rate it, review it, or even share it with friends. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider sponsoring this podcast with a small monthly donation by clicking the link in my Instagram bio at Love Letters and Mixtapes. I'd like to thank the sponsor of this podcast, Snake River Roasting Company, an organic coffee roaster located in the beautiful mountains of Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And not only do they roast award-winning coffees, but their mission and commitment to supporting the rights of women farmers around the world are just incredible. This morning, I started my day with a cup of their Wild Iris Organic Coffee Blend. And if you're ready to fall in love with your coffee, Snake River Roasting Company has a free shipping code for you to give their delicious coffee a taste. Head to their website, snakeriverroastingco.com, and use the code COFFEELOVE at checkout for free shipping on all domestic coffee orders. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I woke up to the sound of heavy rain this morning and cool, crisp breezes through the window and it was like some kind of ASMR dream. <laughs> it's the exact opposite of what I want right now. I want warm weather and beaches, but I can appreciate fall in the Pacific Northwest and just how special it is. So this week I wanted to talk about the process and experience of coming home to ourselves. And as I say that, I think what does that even mean? It really does sound so poetic, yet almost threatening at the same time. For some of us, the word home stirs up bittersweet feelings of nostalgia. Home is this safe place that we ache to return to. But for so many of us, the word home is loaded and can even be a bit triggering. When I was younger, I used to watch TV shows and those holiday episodes of TV shows or movies of the week, and they would portray these idyllic homes that looked to me as if they were set in an alternate Norman Rockwell universe. It was so far away from what I was experiencing that it actually looked like a fantasy. And you can hear me say that and think, well, that's entertainment. You know, it's obviously not real. And I hear you, but all art is inspired by or based on something. Someone had some kind of experience somewhere down the line that exemplifies the ideal home that is safe, loving, warm, and welcoming. You know, there's snow on the front lawn, there's Christmas lights, it 
always smells like coffee or something's baking, like one of those just perfect holiday homes. Maybe your home of origin wasn't like that at all. Maybe it was and still is an unsafe place. Whether that included physical abuse, verbal abuse, sexual abuse, or even neglect. Home could bring up intense feelings of abandonment or fears of deprivation. Maybe your home was your first source of trauma. And maybe there has been no resolution or making amends or accountability. And every single time you think of the home you grew up in, you sort of cringe a little bit. Maybe you spend so much more time trying to forget about that home than you do reminiscing about it. Maybe that builds some kind of a pattern within us where we're always running away from home, running away from the home within ourselves because we had to run away from that first home or put a lot of distance between us or never reflect on that home because it just brings up such painful things within us. So then how often are we turning towards the home within ourselves? It's a good question, and I've been thinking about it a lot this week, because I think that maybe we all exist somewhere on that spectrum, and maybe as we evolve our consciousness and self-awareness, our concept of home shifts. Maybe by doing some internal work or personal development work, we realize that the behaviors and language that we normalized in our home as a survival mechanism was actually quite harmful and abusive. You know, as a kid, you don't have much control over things. And sometimes we just have to tell ourselves, this is what everyone does. This is what love sounds like. This person actually cares about me when the entire time they're actually harming us. Maybe it's taken years or decades to detox from that and to develop new coping mechanisms or communication mechanisms or healthy relationship patterns. Maybe you're still doing the work. I'm still doing the work. And that brings us to the present day, because here we are in the last few months of 2021, and we are still navigating the ripple effects of COVID and the many ways that it has impacted each of our lives whether that was our physical health, mental health, relationships, or our professional lives. And I know that some people feel that this is already behind us and they've moved on to a new phase. And for other people, they're very much still in it. So wherever you are, just try to have a little compassion for what everyone else is going through. I think that that might be the great lesson of the last 18 months, whether we want to learn it or not. Because This experience was almost an extended dance remix of various traumas. And like I said, for many of us, it's not over yet, or we can't see how it's going to affect us years down the line. And we may continue to exist in a space for who knows how long. And that fear and those thoughts are probably wearing on us. It's definitely affecting me. And I am pretty open about that. 
Because I think that we do a disservice to other people when we pretend that nothing is wrong. And I understand the concept of sort of keeping the peace and how we're all very much trained to do that. And even if that peace creates a war within ourselves. But I also think that it's almost a way of passively shaming someone for their feelings and their experiences. So when I share about my own discomfort over the last 18 months, I do hope that it gives silent permission to someone else out there to share their truth, whether that's with themselves, journaling, or even in the mirror, just like talking it out with yourself, or finding someone that you can be vulnerable with. Because I don't think that most people will mock you for having a challenging human experience right now. Most people will probably just listen to you and breathe a sigh of relief at your honesty and say, me too. In my last episode, I shared a quote by Dr. Clarissa Pinkola Estes, and I'd love to share another one here. She says, one of the most calming and powerful actions you can do to intervene in a stormy world is to stand up and show your soul. Struggling souls catch light from other souls who are fully lit and willing to show it. Ah, and that quote just gets me because, you know, that's the work I've done in my professional life. It's the work I do in my personal life. And it's really the basis of this podcast of what I wanted to share here. It's not like, oh, look at me. I'm doing so great because I am as human as it gets. But it's about talking about the process and that we're all in this together. We're all doing this together, whether we want to believe it or not. And that you can just take it one step at a time and that there are tools out there and people out there that can help you along the way. And you can help them because that's the other part of this. You know, it's really hard to struggle in public because we feel almost like people are going to take pity on us or think less of us. But what if being open about your own struggle is the exact thing that someone else needs to save them, to get them through the day, to feel like they're not alone? So I just want to leave that with you to think about, you know, I I know we're all encouraged to just show our highlight reel to the world, but I don't know. I'm I'm pretty straightforward with the world and you know it hasn't killed me yet. So <laughs> just something to think about about finding a little more truth and you know I'm not Gary V. I'm not one of those people who's like yelling at you to share your trauma with the entire universe. Um but I think about what impact it can have when we walk towards ourselves. When we get intimate with ourselves and what that looks like in our relationships. So I'm just encouraging you to think about that today. And if you follow me on my personal Instagram page, then you know that I frequently share tiny love letters in my stories. And believe it or not, I always hesitate before I post them. Because while I trust that they'll land softly and in alignment with the people who need to hear some honest words, there's always a risk on social media. 
you know, I don't have 5,000 real friends in real life that I talk about with about the most intimate things or my struggles. So why would 5,000 strangers understand where I'm coming from? I mean, it's not even possible. If you've ever been in my support groups or my workshops or even the yoga classes I used to lead, you know that I, I always share openly. I try to share things that resonate with people that are authentic to me. And it's beautiful because you can create this intimate container that's really tapped into the truth. You know, there's space for everyone to share a little bit about themselves and to trust the container of the group to hold them. It's a lot different when you put your words out there. And it's always been such a lesson for me because some people are extremely reactive when they read my words or even listen to this podcast. I get DMs full of, you know, diagnoses or offerings of help that I don't remember asking for. And instead of getting irritated, which is very easy to do, (laughs) I use it as a teachable moment for myself. Because our relationships with other people are mirrors. And that goes for strangers, people on the internet, family members, partners, and friends. And it does not mean that we are the same. The mirror of the other person is an invitation to go deeper within ourselves, to get intimate and vulnerable and honest with ourselves, to ask ourselves the questions that we've been running from. And I think that that's where that compulsion comes from, to diagnose someone else or to say, this is how you can fix it. You know, get into the solution. I've got you all figured out. I know you don't know me and we've never talked or I haven't seen you since you're seven, but this is how you can fix your entire life. That to me doesn't speak of intimacy and it doesn't really even speak to me of help or kindness, but it does speak to me of someone kind of running away from themselves a little bit. And that's not to be mean. We all do it. I do it. You know, we're human. Um, But like I said, I don't share on this podcast or on social media so that a stranger five states away with no background in psychology who I haven't particularly sought out can diagnose me or tell me how to fix myself. The same way I don't want to sit here and tell strangers how to fix themselves. I'm just sharing what's worked for me. And maybe it resonates with you. Maybe there's a lesson there. Maybe the lesson is don't listen to her. She has no idea what she's talking about. But I share as openly as I do with boundaries because I feel like I'm anchored into my own truth. And with that comes the responsibility of encouraging others to do the same. You know, I'm not sharing on any platform to encourage you to fix me. I'm sharing to encourage you to walk towards yourself. And that has got to be challenging and painful and irritating at times because we have all had moments where we look at ourselves in the mirror and we are ashamed or we are angry at ourselves or we're so frustrated or we wonder why we can't do this one thing that other people can do. And so to hear someone say, you know, I'm encouraging you to walk towards yourself 
to create a home within yourself. That has to get under our skin, right? You know, I want to get out of self. I want to get away from myself. You know, I don't always like myself and I certainly don't always love myself. But this is the work. And in this episode, we are. We're talking about coming home to ourselves. So I will say that every time you are irritated by what you read or turned on by what you read or saddened, scared, triggered, anything, it's an invitation for you to do that work of asking yourself some questions and do some much-needed house cleaning and even some inventories. If you've followed this podcast for a while, you know that I talk about the practice of doing personal inventories. I've actually talked about it in quite a few episodes, so you can always go back and listen to some. But those inventories are helpful, and we don't do them to beat ourselves up. We do them to get into right relationship with ourselves, to know ourselves, to begin to trust ourselves. When we listen to other people, we're learning about ourselves. Like I said, everyone's a mirror. What aspects of what they're saying excite me or disgust me or terrify me or make me feel understood? It's not about piecing together a patchwork of solutions for someone else's stories. It's always an invitation back home to ourselves. Why does this make me uncomfortable? Why does this stir something up within me? Why has this forced me to remember something or tell the truth about something that I've been running from? Social media and even some respected scholars will tell you that if someone bothers you in some way, then you must possess that same trait. And they are distorting the concept of a mirror. It's such a damaging oversimplification. We don't always possess the qualities that bother us. But they're always an invitation to explore what they reveal about us. That's part of coming home to ourselves, exploring our narrative and history and what lessons we can continue to cull from them throughout our lives because it's not a one-time thing. Oh, I'm going to explore this one thing that happened to me when I was 20, when I'm age 40, and then I'm done with it. No, we can come back to it over and over again and say, what other lessons are there? It's like watching a movie that you love or episodes of a TV show that you love over and over again. You always pick up on different things. I have literally watched Mad Men from start to finish about 20 times. And every time I do, I'm like, God, how did I miss that in this episode? This is my favorite episode. How did I miss all the little nuances? So if I can do that in an episode that I'm watching, why couldn't I do that with my own story? I wrote two love letters this week about coming home to ourselves, and I'd love to share them with you and truly invite you to receive these words as roadmaps back to yourself. And I get it if you can't relate. We aren't all moving through the same lessons at the same time. But if you can relate or if you find yourself focusing on the person who wrote this, I encourage you to pay attention to that and sit with it. Because that is a gentle invitation to explore your own feelings. Everything is grist for the mill. Everything. We can learn from every single thing we read, see, experience, feel. 
and we can cut ourselves off from it too. So, my first love letter. Grieving a dream is hard to do. There's this belief that if you just accept that you can't have something, a new dream or higher purpose will magically fall into your lap overnight. And you can begin moving toward that one with a big sigh of awe and wonder at how it all makes sense now. In my experience, it doesn't really happen that way. Maybe we break up with our dreams the way we break up with lovers. I usually go quietly, invisibly, and incrementally. My biggest dreams, my most private ones, the ones that most define who I am, took a lifetime to formulate. Much like the vivid dreams we have in the early morning hours before awakening, some chapters make no sense. Characters appear at awkward moments. There are scenes that I still can't decipher. Like every Odyssean hero's journey, my dream was a circuitous path full of self-doubt, playing small, embracing myself for the impact of inevitable detours and losses. When you let go of a dream, really accept that what you want is not for you, there's this bittersweet, silent time of floating on your back in liminal space. It reminds me of that one scene in the film Immortal Beloved, where Beethoven runs away from his childhood home through a forest, strips his clothes off, and lies on his back in a pond, staring up at the stars, while the first notes of Ode to Joy begin moving through his soul. So what happens when we receive a hard no in response to a dream? The world offers polarizing advice. Some say you should fight to the death, which will prove your dream's worthiness and your dedication to it. Others say it's important to know when to let go, and that surrender, turning your energies and the outcome over to the winning side, is our highest evolution in devout spiritual practice. But what do you do when you feel lost, you feel tired, you feel alone, you want to isolate, you feel like a failure, you feel disconnected, you feel as if you have no purpose, you feel as if you have nothing to offer, you feel as if everything you've done up until now has been pointless. or. You want to avoid everyone who will smile at you and coldly say, everything happens for a reason, as if there's some reason why others should receive and you should go without. Having a goal, dream, or vision creates expansiveness within you. That's something you don't realize until you actually lose it. All that hope and planning and dreaming carved out space in your mind and heart and when you have to face facts and let something go, you no longer feel like yourself. Suddenly, you're a big empty house that was once ready to be filled with all the things you wanted, but now just feels too big, empty, lonely, and cavernous. You find yourself not walking down certain hallways in your mind because you don't want to get lost. Maybe you feel like a hollow container. I was reading about ghost apples this week, and I had to laugh at myself because there was no better description of my insides and my outsides. 
Ghost apples are created when freezing rain settles on fruit and it ices over immediately, creating a frozen coating. Apples have a lower freezing point than water, so when it gets a bit warmer, the apple defrosts before the ice does. The rotting apple falls out the bottom, leaving its icy ghost behind, hanging from the tree. Am I now an icy ghost apple? <laughs> Maybe? If you're in that space of letting go of one dream, with an intense awareness of your capacity based on the immense amount of emptiness you feel, I just want you to know that you are not alone. I feel that way too. And although I can't imagine it right now, I think that there might be a day sometime in the future when new dreams start to take root, even without me consciously planting the seed. Maybe loss, failure, and confusion are the sun, soil, and water for the things you never saw coming. Dan always told me that if I got everything I ever wanted, I would have sold myself short. And now that I'm in this strange season of surrendering to an echoing, universal no, I'm doing my best to make a home inside my cavernous walls. They can easily turn into a museum of artfully curated pain. But I'm doing my best to keep things warm and clear like the bare walls of my Brooklyn apartment that everyone used to make fun of. The simplicity and vacancy of those blank white walls always helped me dream, whether or not everyone else thought it was strange. Some of us might need that kind of space and silence in order to grow. An ode to blank spaces, ghost apples, and a side of self-forgiveness. That love letter was a little challenging to post, but again, it almost felt like the message was moving through me and maybe it wasn't even for me, but I was just a conduit, <laughs> you know, maybe somebody needed a love letter about coming home to themselves with self-forgiveness because life's been challenging lately. And by lately, I mean maybe forever. <laughs> so that was my first love letter. And here's the second love letter that I wrote this week. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they begin to celebrate. Luke 15, 23 through 24. 2019 was a challenging year for me. Some of you watched me shut down in person and trudge through both loss and embarrassment and then watched me trudge awkwardly through things that didn't even make sense and land in places that made even less sense. And I remember thinking that 2020 was going to be the best year of my life. Yes, I actually said that out loud many, many times. This is my time, I thought. Apparently, fears of failure exist just to the left of grandiosity for me. If I'm being completely honest, there were moments when it felt like the entire world was falling apart in 2020 because I had spoken words of hopefulness into the universe and thought for a second that I could go after the things that I wanted. I had believed that I deserved more and that I could receive with grace. Instead, 
I internally crumbled under the weight of feeling as if I had tempted the gods with hubris. Distorted thinking tells me that it's safer to pretend that I have no needs, and that maybe I won't lose anything. In some ways, I'm sure I silently blamed myself for this pandemic, economic shutdown, and worldwide immobility. It sounds ridiculous and childish, like most of our private, distorted thoughts. Around this time in 2019, I remember telling Mia, I feel so lost that it's like even God doesn't know how to find me. And I've been thinking about that as I look around two years later. Has God found me? Was I ever that lost? What made me think that my failure to be perfect would result in being abandoned by the universe? Why do I mistrust my own feelings of hope so often? Why do I think that I'll be punished for wanting more? Why do I think that I'll escape some tragic fate by always accepting less? I've always loved the story of the prodigal son because everyone misinterprets it. And there's something special about a story that has existed for generations and still causes confusion. Sometimes we think we already know something because it feels familiar to us, but we actually don't. Did I follow in his son's footsteps, as most of us do, and go out into the world, make mistakes, stray from my path, and drown in fears of deprivation only to be welcomed back into alignment with the newfound wisdom that there was no other path for me other than the one that I walked? Is it true that there were no real missteps or mistakes, just detours, obstacles not in the way but leading the way? Is goodness available to me all the time, or do I have to earn it? Or is it always moving towards me simply because, as Nadia Boltzweber says, this gift of grace originates in the goodness of the gift giver, not in the worthiness or the fearlessness of the gift receiver? Am I the only one who has felt confused or off course or thought that all may be lost? Am I the only one looking around feeling waves crash against me? heavy with disappointment and anxiety that I'll never get to do what it is I'm here to do. I'll never get to have what it is that I want. I don't have enough time. I wonder. Today, I want to remind myself that I don't need to do anything for God to find me. God exists within me as me, and as far as I think I've strayed, I've always been a home within myself. Sincerely, a prodigal daughter. And I hope that you enjoyed those love letters because as much as I wrote them for me, I was writing them for you. I'm writing them for us. And I hope that they do bring you into a closer relationship with yourselves, just like everything I share on here. That's my goal. I just want you to walk back towards yourself. Ramdas is, man, I just said is, was. We lost him a few years ago too. Ramdas was one of the most profound teachers of my entire life. 
His voice walked me through so many things, his writings, his, his books, his art, just everything. It informed so much of my work within myself and my work professionally. He has book after book after book out there that you can dive into if he's new to you or if you had read him and haven't in a while. Maybe this is an invitation to return to him. But the most profound line of all of his writing, the one that probably changed my life, is definitely the most simple. It was when he said, we are all just walking each other home. And I love that because the entire world is bombarding us with messages of escapism. Just get as far and fast away from yourself as humanly possible, whether that's through sex, drugs, alcohol, food, gambling, just anything, any type of escapism. And what he's saying here is, you know, this is what we're here to do together. You know, some of us feel like we're really alone. And I know that that's something that I go through all the time. I feel like I'm here alone. And it's work to trust that I'm not. So when I hear him say, we're all just walking each other home, I almost envision us as kids, you know, holding hands, walking home together and knowing that we're safe to do that, even if that wasn't our experience in childhood. So I know that this episode was not one of those informative episodes, or maybe it was. Who knows? I I shouldn't try to craft your experience, (laughs) but it wasn't, you know, me breaking down some diagnosis or some problem that we're all having. You know, I'm just here sharing my heart, trying to do what I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, you know, shining a light, even if mine feels pretty dim lately, and it does, just trying to shine that light and maybe you will shine yours back. So until next week, make sure to hit the follow button on your favorite podcast listening platform. You can check out this week's playlist on my personal Spotify account and join me on Instagram at love letters and mixtapes. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please consider making a small monthly donation to support this podcast by clicking the link in my Instagram bio.